0: I'm reading our scripture from a brand new translation this morning. Um, It's the new revised standard version, but it's been updated. The first new kind of translation or update of a translation in many, many years. Some of the language has been changed, and I'm excited to use it. So I'm reading from Mark chapter 8, verses 27-27. To 38. Hear these words this morning. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and to be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. May God grant us understanding of these words today, these words that might be a little puzzling to us. Before I, I jump into my sermon, I want to point out that this is kind of the midpoint in Mark's Gospel. The mood changes... Before this place, Jesus is a person of action who is moving from village to village, proclaiming a new life, liberating those who are bound by evil or by circumstance, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, and calming the storms. This is a man of action. Now, at this point, Mark begins pointing toward Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. This is the place in Mark. as we begin to look at this, you know, I I want to to say that um, you know, it's almost like Jesus asked his disciples, hey guys, I'm just wondering, what are people saying about who I am? What do other people think about who I am? And It it just kind of makes me wonder, um, can you put up the the first slide with my sermon, the one with Snoopy. I found this today, um, this morning. I, I woke up real early. And it says, I hear you're writing a book on theology. And Charlie Brown says, I, I hope you have a good title. And, and Snoopy says, I have the perfect title. Has it ever occurred to you that you might be wrong? And I looked at that this morning, and, I've, and I was once again reminded that we are required to be humble, that we might not have all the answers. So what I'm sharing with you today is kind of my ponderings on this passage. Um, so what do people say that, that I am? What do they say that I am? Go ahead and move forward. This is a relatively easy question. The disciples report on the buzz that they hear. That they've heard among the crowds. You know, some say John the Baptist. Some say, others say Elijah. Still others, one of the prophets. Jesus' ministry of preaching and teaching and healing has indeed borne a resemblance to those prophets of old responses are not far off but they don't quite get to the heart of what Jesus really wants to know. To, today we hear a lot of opinions about who Jesus is. I kind of I googled it and found out that there are 2200 plus denominations in the United States. Now that doesn't include the churches that are non-denominational. So the 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 number gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and each of those communities may believe a little bit differently and so when you know when we hear the question what do they who do they think i am we might have thousands of answers and for those people How they see Jesus is how they see Jesus. Who they think Jesus is is who they think Jesus is. Now, I may think differently. Going back to Snoopy, I might be wrong. But I might not be. So if we were to ask right here, right now, who do they think Jesus is today, we would have many, 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 I can't take that line and go out and out many different answers. Here's the thing. I spent much of the last two days attending a conference called the Kirkpatrick Conference. It's a the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. It's, it was kind of looking at our history around racism and reconciliation and so I heard a lot of speakers, including um, William Barber, an African-American man who uh, has spoken at like the, the inaugural um, service or, or has done many, many things. He works with the Poor People's Campaign. And, and so I heard him talk about, about poverty. And I heard women talk about the challenges of being women in ministry, And I heard Native Americans talk about their stories, about what it's like to be faithful in a world that doesn't see you as a citizen. And I heard women and men and others, those who don't identify as women or men, but have a different identification. And I heard them speak. And what I can tell you is, Each person had a different view, but the one thing that they held in common was that they loved Jesus. And so I have a lot of debriefing to do with what I heard, and I appreciate that so much that I'll have some space while I'm writing to think about that. Um, Because I think when we hear how other people see Jesus, our first inclination is to think, that's not how I see Jesus. And so I think just holding that, their stories, helps me understand a little bit better. A quick example is one of the, the women was sharing that um, she does not want to get rid of the the hymns that talk about Jesus's blood and that that's part of her heritage and I cringed because I've always kind of wondered about those but what I realized hearing her story is it was meaningful to her and so often when we look at the stories and the ways that other people um, their lives intersect with Jesus we need to understand it's theirs and not mine hard to do hard to do so we're not really told why Jesus asked this first question perhaps he wants to get a sense of of kind of the room what are what are people out there saying about me i think though that it might have more to do with understanding that there are different views And that what they think is not the important thing. What they think is not the important thing. Here's the thing. Jesus listens to what is said by others. He doesn't refute or argue against the things that are said. Instead, he turns his attention to his followers. He doesn't say that they are wrong. He just hears what is being said, and then he moves the conversation to a more intimate level. My guess would be that this is the most important question, and there it is. Who do? Move one more. Who do? Justin, can you move the... There we go. Oh, we lost him. The question, though, is who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am is the most important question. It's not who do they say that I am, but who do you say that I am? So it's really interesting to me that Peter... Peter, jump out of the boat. Peter, Peter, who does all this other stuff. Peter, who is kind of my, my hero. Peter just says, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. Peter has this answer. So the messiah and actually when he says you are the messiah it's not a real logical answer because jesus has never up to this point claimed that he is the messiah and the title messiah rather in hebrew or christ in greek is associated with the jewish tradition with an anointed king a royal figure from the line of david expected to come and free Israel from their Gentile oppressors. That is what they were expecting the the Messiah to be. It was to purify the people, restore Israel into their glory. We'll talk about more about that difference between the Messiah that they were expecting and the person that comes when we talk about About that on Palm Sunday, so stay tuned. But nothing Jesus has ever said has indicated, at least in Mark's Gospel, that he is the Messiah, or the one. It's later that we hear about him being the one. Um, And in all that he's done up to this point, he hasn't shown any inclination to oppose the Romans. He hasn't been in battle for them. He hasn't let a a group of people to to oppose them. That's not what he's been doing. And, you know, on the one hand, looking at Peter's response might not be really logical, but, you know, I think that Peter had hopes. He had hopes that when they went into Jerusalem, Jesus would finally come into his power, and that things would be different, that the oppressors would be gone. He had those hopes, and so he's saying with everything that he, ha- he has and everything that he is, you are the Messiah. And I think that sometimes we, although we don't see Jesus as a, a military or a soldier or, or a, <laughs> a superhero, we sometimes think that Jesus has come to do these these things, these great, wonderful things, to, to tear down walls. And I believe that Jesus tear down tears down walls. I believe that with all of my heart. But I believe that he tears down walls through us. I believe that Jesus overthrows injustice through us. I believe that Jesus loves others through us. So in Matthew's gospel, in the same story, when when Peter says, "You are the Messiah," um, Jesus responds that with that famous, "You are the rock. On this rock I will build my church." But Mark doesn't go there. Um, Mark goes right into this thing where where he's talking about, "Get behind me, Satan." I don't know about you, I kind of like the rock part a lot better than I do the Satan part. I kind of like that image of Peter standing up and being the person that Peter is called to be and everything is cool and he knows. But that's not how Mark presents this. I think that Mark... Has presents the idea that Jesus teaches things like the first become last and love your neighbor as yourself. And those kinds of things that it's that the whole idea of get behind me, don't talk about me in those terms, has to do with the fact that Jesus presents. Jesus' ministry in a different way. I think that Jesus is not there to bash somebody over the head. Jesus is there to what? Love. Love. Mark, even though he's saying this, get behind me, I think he's framing things a little bit differently. And yes, he's in a hurry to get to the end of the story, the resurrection But at the same time, I want to remind you at the very beginning of Mark's gospel, he announces that this is the beginning of the story of the good news. This is the beginning of the story of the good news. And so as we begin to walk through this story, I would invite you to contemplate, to think about what is the good news here? And how can this be good news? I think that there is a clue right here. Right here, Jesus then asks a very direct question to his disciples. And this question is, who do you say that I am? It makes all the difference in the world. It's not about what they think. They as they out there. It's about us. It's about what we think. Because who do you say that I am is at the same time, who will you say that you are? That's the rub of this question. The heart of its difficulty. If it were, o- if we only had to provide an answer to Jesus' question about his identity... That would be one thing. However, in answering this question, we're also talking about who we are. We're talking about how his identity matches with our identity as we begin to to open ourselves up to the Imago Dei, the, the image of God inside of us. Immediately before, before this scripture that we've read today is this story about Jesus healing a blind man. And this blind man, you know, Jesus does the whole spit on eyes thing that kind of grosses us out. But he does that, and then the man opens his eyes, and he sees things really blurrily. You know, he says, they're, they're like trees walking. I see people, but they're like trees walking. So Jesus goes back and does it again. And then he opens his eyes, and he sees clearly. So this story has happened, and then the disciples are invited to see clearly. In a very different way, where Jesus is saying, who do they say that I am, and then who do you say that I am? Who do they is the blurry piece. Who am I? Who do you say I am is the clarity If I asked you the question, who do you say that you are? Who are you? You'd answer it in a whole lot of different ways. You might answer it in talking about the roles that you play each day, the, the, the hats that you wear, so to speak. If you ask me, who are you, Sherry? I might say, I'm David's wife. I might say, I'm Anthony, Josh, Nathan, and Sarah's mom. I might say I'm Grandma to Bella, Hudson, Lily, Lucy, and Dakota. I might say those things. I might say that I'm a Disciples of Christ minister, the grateful pastor of Portsmouth Union Church and the View Christian Church. I might say that. I might say I'm a friend, a sister, an aunt, a daughter. I'm a mom to an energetic ball of fur named Pup. I'm a student, I'm a teacher, a lover of God's people. I'm a beloved child of God, a God who loves me. I'm all of those things. And I find it interesting when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Peter says simply the Messiah. When I think that probably there's much, much more when when Peter says you are the Messiah, Jesus says, Shh, don't tell anyone in Mark's gospel. And I find that interesting. Why? Why wouldn't he want people to know that? But because Jesus switches this flips the script to looking directly at Peter, he calls himself the son of Of man, or one translation says, um, the human one. The Messiah was a king, and Jesus is the Son of Man, or the human one. And those are two very different things. After that, Jesus outlines what's going to happen to him. And we all know that. Many places in the gospel, Jesus talks about what's going to happen. Here he says it plainly with no varnish. He just says that I'm going to die and that I'm going to rise. And Peter, sweet, sweet, impulsive Peter, jumps to his feet, says, no, that can't be. Rebukes Jesus and, you know, the response from there. Jesus goes on to explain a few more things and he says, come, take up your cross and follow me. We don't have literal crosses in our world today. At least not right here, right now. But we have a lot of things in our world that hurt others. So I ask you, who do you say that Jesus is? And what are you prepared to do on Jesus' behalf? I found this. I'm not claiming it as my own. But I'm going to read this to you because it profoundly influenced my thinking this week. If we say that Jesus is the Prince of Peace then shouldn't we devote ourselves to eradicating all forms of violence from our words and actions, our communion, and our world? If we say he is our good shepherd, then shouldn't we tend our fellow sheep by feeding and comforting and teaching them of his abundant love? If we say that he is the Logos, the eternal word made flesh, then shouldn't we take care with our very own words, always remembering that our speech may last a moment, but the injuries and ill effects may last forever. If we say that he is the great worker of miracles, then shouldn't we stand as beacons of hope and encouragement in a world so often broken. If we say he is the merciful father who forgives the sins of his prodigal son, prodigal child, then shouldn't we forgive ourselves and each other, never hardening our hearts and withholding the great gift of mercy? If we say that he is Emmanuel, God with us, then shouldn't we strive to see his face, and know his presence in every person that we encounter as he asked us to do? If we say that Jesus is our Messiah, Lord and Savior, then shouldn't we be willing to do anything he requires of us to love God, our neighbors, and ourselves with every fiber of our being, to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God? You see, friends, in light of all that, we must ask the question who do we say we are? Are we a, a reflection? Justin, go ahead and pull up that picture. By the way, that's Lake McDonald in Glacier Park. We ask the question who do we say that we are? Are we a reflection? of how the world sees us, a reflection of the one who calls us to be all that we can, be at whatever stage we are in life, whatever we think we have to offer, if we can see that we are enough, not because we are perfect, but because we are human, and follow the ones who lead us in love, the picture gets clearer, The bottom part of that is a reflection in the lake of the mountains. Not exactly trees walking. But imagine standing on the shore of that lake and looking out at the mountains and seeing with clarity the beauty of God's creation. Now imagine yourself standing in front of a mirror, with your first eyes, seeing all your flaws. Having our Lord and Savior wipe our face and being able to see ourselves as the person that we are called to be, the person that Jesus sees us as. Now imagine... Looking at our neighbors in the same way, we might see that they're smelly. We might see that there are holes in their clothes. But if we can look, if we can squint, if we can look through the eyes that give us clarity, we can see the beauty in that person. Oh God, may we always see ourselves through the eyes of love so that we can see them through the very same eyes. Amen. May God grant us clarity of vision this day, now and forever. Amen.